This episode of the St. Paul Filmcast is dedicated to my mom, Karen. I am Nick. Welcome to another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast. Uh, Dan won't be with us. He's actually on assignment. He's gathering enough of uh, facts and figures and research and data about the next upcoming episode. We're going to be discussing uh, the Godfather Sega. So there's a lot of material to cover. So he won't be joining us for this episode. Uh, this episode is dedicated to my mom simply because I asked her um, for Mother's Day what was her favorite movie, and she took a while to answer back, um, but she responded with two movies, and I'm picking this one. It's called To Catch a Thief. Alfred Hitchcock's, mm, not one of his lesser, maybe one of his lesser knowns, and maybe slightly less celebrated films, uh, made in 1955, starring Grace Kelly and Cary Grant. Uh this film was based on a book by Dave uh, Dodge. Uh, the book, it's one of those cat and mouse things that we talked about with the Gone with the Wind episode where um, Eva Hitchcock uh, purchased the film rights for the book before the book got published. And once the movie was the movie was going to be made, Alfred Hitchcock was going to do direct it, um, the book sales increased. So it's kind of a chicken-egg scenario we have with the origins of To Catch a Thief. In 1955, there was no other bigger star in the world than Grace Kelly. Uh, she was just coming off movie, another Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Rear Window. Uh, she was in. Uh, she won an Academy Award for The Country Girl. Um, she, well, I think that was a, a movie with William Holden about a struggling alcoholic. Um, and then we have uh, another one she did with uh, called Magumbo. Unique thing about. Um, Magambo or Magumbo, I pronounce it Magambo. It stars uh, Clark Gable after he did Gone with the Wind. Um, it features, it's directed by uh, John Ford, who just did Stagecoach. And um, both Stagecoach and Gone with the Wind came out the same time. In fact, Stagecoach came out a little bit earlier. Um, there was an actor in both was in Gone with the Wind and Stagecoach. That was Thomas Mitchell. Thomas Mitchell played Scarlett O'Hara's dad, Gerald. And he was one of the uh, Stagecoach Travelers in Stagecoach. And he won an Oscar, Best Supporting Actor for Stagecoach. Um, and the next movie, Mugambo, sorry, Clark Gable, Ava Gardner. It was the big movie that featured Grace Kelly. Um, after Mugambo, she got a lot of notoriety and then Alfred Hitchcock it caught Alfred Hitchcock's eye and he used her a lot it was probably one of her his favorite actresses to use um he liked her reserved tension of class and demeanor but there was always a hint of naughtiness when you watch Grace Kelly perform even though she was a highly reserved and classy style lady so 1955 was really Grace Kelly's big year. She was featured on the cover of Life magazine. Um, she was even a kind of a co-host for the Oscars in 1955. The two biggest stars really at the time were Marlon Brando and Grace Kelly, uh, even though none of them would do a movie together because To Catch a Thief would be Grace Kelly's last film. She would eventually, through the filming of this on the French Riviera, meet Prince Reindeer, 
and she would marry the prince of Morocco and become a princess. The entire premise of To Catch a Thief is quite simply uh, starring Cary Grant playing a character named John Robbie. John Robbie is a notorious, very infamous, well, or famous cat burglar. He would always steal jewelry from the people who can afford missing it. Um, and he gets a full pardon after he does heroic acts for the French resistance during Nazi-occupied France. This is unique because this movie was filmed 10 years after World War II, just a mere 10 years, so he gets a plausibility, a little bit of the storyline. And in the beginning of the movie, you'll see a woman, an elderly woman, scream in front of the camera very obnoxiously, almost and interrupting the quiet tranquility of the French Riviera, screaming, my jewels, somebody took my jewels. In that scene, Alfred Hitchcock is borrowing from itself from 39 Steps, which begins that movie. Alfred Hitchcock is notorious for, how would I phrase it, um, uniquely uh, plagiarizing himself. He would continually use the same scenes, same angles, same cuts, same outfits, same style. And he had the same preference. He loved to pick up blondes. Grace Kelly is, of course, a blonde. When he wanted somebody of a certain style, class, debonair, a really an elegance, he would always hire Cary Grant to play those roles. When he wanted somebody like an everyman, that, an everyman or a person that we believe could, anybody can be in that situation, he would hire uh, James, Jimmy Stewart. Here in Cary Grant, we have this elegant jewel thief who's since retired in a villa out in the woods, and somebody is using his trademark ways of stealing jewelry. And, of course, he's being caught, and he is being suspect as doing, again, going on his campaign of thievery. In the beginning movie, Alfred Hitchcock uses a unique thing of showing the jewel thief in action, but actually just showing a black cat moving from rooftop to rooftop. I think that's the most unique thing about this movie as an artistic expression. Not actually showing the jewel thief in motion, but simply a real-life black cat moving across the field, across the rooftops. And that unique perspective of using just the metaphor and explaining that this person is actually stealing, but she's so noticeable that we just used a representation of actual real black cat in the movie. Um, when we first meet John Robbie, he does have his own black cat as a pet. That's very small instances. So there is a bunch of play about cats in the movie that kind of gets played out a mm, little whimsically too much. Maybe even too much whimsically for my taste. So why do people, some people, consider To Catch a Thief one of Alfred Hitchcock's best movies but some people don't even know about it well it's a kind of a crutch of Alfred Hitchcock's success from the early uh, 40s to the late 50s Alfred Hitchcock was kicking out successful films after successful films and in fact a lot of his masterpieces were coming out during the time of then and, and that era the other thing is To Catch a Thief came out after his great success movie Rear Window and it kind of fell into little behind the spotlight of Rear Window, even though 
Catch a Thief has a lot of staples of a classic movie. And in fact, any other director would love to have it as simply its staple. And for Alfred Hitchcock, as a masterful director, it's simply just a footnote. Peter Bogdanovich views the movie as kind of his Alfred Hitchcock's vacation of filmmaking by making a movie. And if you see it, you see a lot of relaxation and a lot of more fun making a movie than his actually purposeness and intensity that you see at Rear Window, Vertical, and Psycho. Here, there's a much more whimsical and light attitude. Obviously, in the movie, the plot, Cary Grant's character is looking to catch the copycat jewel thief who is he's being suspect of being the one. He has to catch the imposter in the act. And the main, that's the main story. But that's not the drive of the story. The drive of the story is simply watching Cary Grant and Grace Kelly's characters fall in love. It is simply a romance story. And the motivation, the vessel, is the plot. And even though I kind of regard this as you know, kind of an Alfred Hitchcock vacationing of making a movie by making a movie there is not necessarily a relaxed attitude to filmmaking um the cinematographer uh, robert burks uh, stated many times that when him and alfred hitchcock made movies the movie was already done they just had to shoot the movie and that is a lot of very meticulous and tedious working but pre-production working before even the camera gets even started in filming and shooting so even though there's a, like a very much a vacationing idea to do this movie, there was a lot of pre-planning already investigated, invested in this film. Robert Burks was working with the new material, which was called Vista Vision. Vista Vision was Paramount's answers to MGM Studios Cinemascope, a brand new film stock with a wider lens, was able to catch a wider view. And you notice that there were some problems Robert Burke was having with VistaVision in this film. The main problem is when you do close-ups of Grace Kelly and Cary Grant or any other characters, the background gets blurry. And it was a lot of problems that even Ultra Hitchcock was getting upset about. But for overall, I'm, I think an average spectator would even care. There's a nice other nice views and shots of the film that you see. Uh, you see a, a shot of Cary Grad walking the stairs onto the port beach of the restaurant, which is a wide shot of him. You also have like a lot of second camera work by Herbie Coleman, who did a lot of helicopters of following cars and vehicles that show the whole scope of the French Riviera. French Riviera as a location is probably one of the other noticeable stars of the film. It's a nice spot to present this, uh, present this story because you have the rooftops, you have the whole feel of a romance and whimsy that's really carrying this movie. The other thing that I think you would notice is the utmost control Alfred Hitchcock loved to have on film. Um, there are certain scenes where he did in studio that I don't think necessarily had to be, but he just wanted to control the environment so much that he just compelled to do it. Case in point, um, there's a scene where Cary Grant's character goes into the ocean and he meets um, the very young Bridget Albert's character, Dan Hill, um, on the kind of the barge out in the ocean. 
Um, and then you notice when they have their conversations together that it, that is shot in studio, even though there are some some shots that are on location. And you can just watch simply watch the water, and you realize what shots are in studio, and what shots are on location. The unique thing is the character of Danielle compared to Grace Kelly's character, um, uh, Francis. Um, there was supposed to be this age gap of Danielle being a teenager who has a very, very awkward accent to her. And she's very supposed to be very childlike, presented very childlike, and you're acting like a teenager. And she has this very much a disdain for Grace Kelly's character being far more mature and older. Even though uh, Bridget Audier playing Daniel was only about a year and a half older than Grace Kelly. In fact, the other thing about age was that Alfred Hitchcock and a lot of others were a little bit weary that people wouldn't buy into Cary Grant playing a much older man and the very, well, the movie wants to regard a mature 26-year-old Grace Kelly being in the film and actually fall in love. But for audience and for my sake, I... I have no problem with it. I think it works well. It's for God's sakes, it's Cary Grant. Of course, the other thing I want to bring up is because of Hitchcock's cameo. Um, in this movie, he when uh, uh, Cary Grant's character is trying to avoid um, fleeing the police after they suspect him, he hitch, uh, flags down a bus, sends him back, and it's actually sitting next to him. Is a very quiet introverted Alfred Hitchcock. The next time that Cary, uh, Cary Grant would do a movie with Alfred Hitchcock would be North by Northwest. And in that movie, we see uh, Alfred Hitchcock try to catch a bus, but he's a little too late and has to stand on the sidewalk as the bus drives away. And I think it's a very fun link to have that the last two appearances of Alfred Hitchcock's movie with Cary Grant has to do with buses. The other main star of this movie, and I think it's one of the most important aspects of the film, in well, speaking of Alfred Hitchcock and his control of camera and of presenting color in this film, was the costume. And costumes were designed by the very famous Edith Head. If you have no idea who Edith Head looks like or who she was, Edith Head was primarily the head costume designer in Hollywood for about 30 years and she did a bunch of movies and some running gag of hollywood buffs that when we see comp design we're gonna say yep edith head and i would give her regards that she's the most celebrated costume designer uh, i wouldn't say that she was the the most talented obviously she did have talent she did have very good eyesight of how to do costume design but she never let the film or her costumes be the point of the film rather than exact you know highlight it or motivate or functioning inside the film it would give more of an enhancement of the movie rather than be the sole star of the film um, edith had um loved to work with alfred hitchcock he gave her great a little bit of great freedom but she never strayed from what alfred probably wanted in a movie and that got her jobs she knew what a director wanted and she provided it for them she liked to work not just making costumes for women but she absolutely 
very publicly stated she liked to make costumes for men. And she did a very well job for To Catch a Thief. And even though Robert Burks will win an Oscar for Best Cinematography using the brand new Vista Vision, I think the real star of the movie, and I'm contradicting myself, is the costume design of Edith Head. Because what it really is it about is Alfred Hitchcock making a movie for the fun of making a movie and really presenting a, his people to enjoy doing what they do is dress up and hanging out in the French Riviera. And I think Alfred Hitchcock allowed that. Now, the next movie that she would do costume design would be like North by Northwest, where I think that she actually did a fantastic job of costume design with outfits that really not so much of conventional but really enhance the well the the presentation of the movie and you see that Eric Cary Grant's continually using of like grays and blues and uh, the hidden he has seriousness scenes he wears a dark suit and that's what she's best at I really think she's best at providing the right outfit at the right time and here and to catch the thief the first time we see Cary Grant he's wearing a simple very European black and black and white striped shirt and I think it was intentional to show somebody that's presented as guilty even though they're innocent and then we have almost like he's almost incarcerated he's almost uh, persecuted and he's wearing like prison garb even though it's fashionable on a black and white striped shirt and he's also wearing a red um, scarf almost I think it looks like an ascot which I think is another kind of a costume metaphor of somebody that you better watch your neck somebody's after your get your throat ready to cut you and he wears it as he in the beginning of the movie when he flees the police and then he when he has his you know of course you have to get Cary Grant a tuxedo but he also wears kind of like this very relaxed dinner outfit that's very much of a a slight tone, mellow tone, but complements Grace Kelly's outfit of her high shoulder cut, high neck cut uh, outfits. Um, the real stars of the movie, where if you want to talk about dresses, was Grace Kelly's two evening gowns. She wears a blue sapphire one with a draped over um, scarf, um, and then she wears her very famous white um evening gown when she, and when Dale, I think Cary Grant's wearing a tuxedo the last time we ever get to see Grace, Grace Kelly on film she's wearing this gold almost dancing on the idea of gaudy gold dress and she's worried about it getting stuck and it's very pouty it's puffy and I think it's a nice sending um, a nice way of sending away Grace Kelly into the cinematic world and she stopped making movies after that. It's a nice way we get to see Grace Kelly. Some other um, interesting factoids about uh, To Catch a Thief was their supporting roles and one of them was Charles Vanell. Charles Vanell was a very famous French actor and director. His Green debut debuted in 1912 in Robert Pegay's Jim Crow, and his last film was in 1988. He made over many, 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 many different movies, in the hundreds of how many movies he was in. Here in To Catch a Thief, he plays the restaurant owner that was actually helping 
uh, Cary Grant in during the Reds, French Resistance, and Cary Grant goes to him first to how do I clear my name? You guys know me, and he goes to him, and he's the restauranteur. He owns the restaurant. Um, the funny thing is, when you watch to catch a feet, Charles Rainier did not. Uh, Charles Vanell. Charles Fennell did not speak English. And when he said his lines in the movie, it is so awkward and is so stiff and is so almost cannot understand. That makes it almost a comedic stance and almost a light farce to the movie that I think Alfred Hitchcock probably just allowed to happen. The other one was uh, Jean Martinelli, who actually was in a previous movie with Alfred Hitchcock. He was in Dial M for Murder, another movie with Grace Kelly. In it, John plays the inspector with the mustache. In To Catch a Feath, he plays Grace Kelly's father, the jeweler. I think he's in jeweler and salesman, which Cary Grant says, isn't that stealing also? In the movie, both uh, Jean uh, Martinelli and Cary Grant share a wonderful on-location scene in the rent streets of the French Riviera, and they're being pursued, and then they get into a kind of a into the flowery aspect. There's a f- bunch of flowers, and it's popped out with color. It's like a, a, f- a flower shop, and they use that as a way to escape. But the thing is. The editing of that scene, because there's an old lady who gets so mad that Cary Grant is disrupting her flower shop that she beats him and she nabs him. There's a edit that doesn't explain um, because once that scene is cut, it doesn't. And then the next scene, you see Cary Grant back at his home entertaining uh, Jean as a guest. You don't see what was the resolution. It was just a nice way to end the action. It was funny. And he, Alfred Hitchcock's wants you to fill in the blanks of how he was able to get back and elude whoever's being pursuing him. Well, you know, outside of the characters and stuff, and I want to go back a little bit to plot and theme, um, one of the nice theme themes about this uh, movie is contradictions. Um, obviously, Cary Grant's character, John Robbery, is a truly thief and he proclaims he only steals jewelry from people that can afford to not have what he steals he also has a kind of a disdain for the wealthy even though he does live the rich lifestyle you also have grace kelly's contradiction that she appreciates jewelry but she doesn't wear any Um, she has a semi disdain for it but at the end uh, when her and kerrigan finally get together she does wear uh, Julie for her white evening gown. There's also a contradiction of age here. You have Cary Grant's aging Julie Feeth, and you have Grace Kelly carrying home, um, Grace Kelly's character almost admiring him. Um, they're out on location and they're looking for houses. They're on a, a park as she asks him, "This is what how you get your excitement." And, and Cary Grant simply asks, "How do you get yours?" And she very seductively says, I haven't figured that out yet. So you have this overlaying sense of contradictions with each character. Um, the other thing that's unique about this is, um, and I failed to mention, is Grace Kelly's mom, who is played by um, another Jesse Royce Landis. Um, 
her and Cary Grant would actually do another movie together, which is Albert Hitchcock's <laughs> North by Northwest. And here in North by Northwest, um, uh, Royce Landis plays Cary Grant's mom. And I've always heard the speculation that she was just a couple years older than Cary Grant playing his mom. And yes, there was this sense that she's playing the mom. And um, she's based on... Um, Clarity from IMDb and from her biography. Um, she used to shave years off her birth certificate, but in reality, when she made the movie with Cary Grant, she was seven years older than Cary Grant, so it still biologically doesn't make sense why she's playing the mom to Cary Grant in North by Northwest, but it is kind of works in the movie and is kind of playfully. But here in To Catch a Thief, she plays Grace Kelly's mom, who's actually sometimes occasionally inappropriate she has a few um indulgences she likes men and she certainly likes to gamble and with the few scenes we have of there she definitely can't live without either of them um we eventually would see why grace kelly's character wants to get out of this jam her has a very dull reserved father and she has this very contradictory or very explosive mom and she's looking for excitement and she finds this man who doesn't live conventional terms he has his own way um and i think that's the draw for grace kelly's character to pursue cary grant that's the other thing theme i want to talk about in this movie is pursuing there's a lot of it you have the police pursuing cary grant you have cary grant pursuing this jeweler who's copycatting him you have grace kelly pursuing uh Cary Grant's character and it becomes kind of almost a weird diagram of who pursuing who eventually you probably get a circle of just endless these pursuing these pursuing this pursuing so the theme I think yeah for To Catch a Thief is pursuing as well as contradictions as well as you know aging overall I for a movie that's over Hitchcock, I think the big selling point, and I think why you should really enjoy it, is the whimsy of it. It's not a movie that takes itself too serious. There's never a moment that's just overly intense. There is obviously suspense, but even when that is played out, it's not really, you don't really buy into that gravity of it. There's not a sense of urgency of it. It's just, I think, an overall, a whimsical and as Peter Badonovich says, a vacation kind of Alfred Hitchcock taking a vacation to make a movie, a vacationing of making movies to make a movie. And you get that sense of the whimsy. Obviously, it's more of a romance than suspense and more of a romance movie than action. And for people who love movies, it is shot amazingly with Robert Burks being the cinematographer, and he was Alfred Hitchcock's favorite cinematographer, and Alfred Hitchcock loved him. He was a meticulous person who shot film, um, and Robert Burks did win um, Best Cinematography for this movie. So you have, I think, both variety of aspects of costume, um, cinematography, and probably the night's romance story um, that you can enjoy oh immensely because not all of us not all of us will be able to see the french riviera but we can only watch the to catch a thief to catch a glimpse of 
what it will be like if we go. That's the other thing about this movie. And I, before we go, the last thing I want to talk about the movie, it's timeless. Even though it's shot in 1955, there's the dresses, the outfits are rather timeless. You can actually wear them now and you know, nobody would be shocked there or won't cause a stir. But they'll be greatly, you can certainly wear them and it'll be fashionable. Um, obviously, the location is timeless. Um, even the houses are still still there. Um, as timeless as a story of robbing and stealing and kind of a little bit of envy of being living the lifestyle of the rich and famous and the fabulous and be able to have that. It's kind of a ever-encompassing kind of a thing for a movie that we all get to enjoy. Like we, we're not all going to be rich, so we can enjoy what it looks like when people are and how they live and maybe you want to steal some for yourself, which kind of we always kind of entertain that idea that of taking. And so uh, before I go, I want to do some uh, shout-outs, uh, some people that are really helping the show. Um, shout-outs to the IMDB Journey podcast. They just uh, talked about us on their most recent episode. I also want to give a shout-out to the Vern on Cinema Recall, who is a great supporter of this podcast. I also want to give a shout-out to Classic Movie Must. If you certainly like classic movies and if you certainly like our show, uh, you probably would appreciate Classic Movie Must as a critique, the best of movies, and give you a little more new perspective that you probably never thought of before. And uh, so before we go, and I want to provide a link, um, obviously we record here in St. Paul, Minnesota, and i like to end on a link of something that we tied in on our subject and uh, something of our podcast. And one of the things that I think we can tie in is there are, is a commune. There is a commune in the French Riviera with the St. Paul's name. It's St. Paul de Venice. It's um, a commune in the Alps Baritums Department in the southeastern France, one of the oldest medieval towns in the French Riviera. It is well known for its modern contemporary art museum and gallery as a foundation, Mijet, which is close, located nearby. Uh, it's in France, uh, it's obviously named St. Paul. Um, I definitely wish I could see it. And a former guest of St. Paul de Venice includes Jean-Paul Sartre and Pablo Picasso, as well as other famous artists as well known for its moments like an artist villa. Um, of course, the other famous resident was former Rolling Stones bassist Bill Wyman had a house there, and as American writer James Baldwin died there. So there's your link of the French Riviera and St. Paul. Um, thank you for listening, guys. Please, if you love the show, subscribe. Um, give us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And we'll probably give you a shout-out on the next episode. Um, thanks for listening, and enjoy your movie watching.